you have that reassurance of I'm on the right track or it's okay to feel like some days are hard and that some days you've got absolutely no idea what you're doing and that in some ways we're all kind of making it up as we go along. Hi everyone, I'm Hetty Holmes and you're listening to Hacking Happiness with Dose, a podcast that explores what makes us feel good to improve our mental, physical, spiritual and emotional well-being. Whether it's a dopamine hit from reaching a career goal, a rush of oxytocin from spending time with loved ones, a surge of serotonin from practicing self-care or a fitness class to send endorphins soaring, everyone's definition of feeling good is very different. Our next guest, Lauren Arms, founder of well to do is here to tell me about hers. Lauren, welcome. Thanks, Hetty. Thanks for having me. So you're the founder of well to do an online community for those interested in business of wellness. You're also a career coach who help people turn their personal passions into business propositions. So let's firstly talk about the happiness you get from your career. Mm-hmm. So what got you into this world of wellness in the first place? Good question. Um, well, firstly, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I think wellness is such an interesting concept because for me, it it wasn't a... It wasn't a concept that I had associated with for the, you know, the majority of my life. And it wasn't until I moved from Australia to the UK coming up to seven years ago that I realised that it was something I was into. I suppose, you know, wellness is in in inverted commas Mm. in the UK and particularly in a city like London where it's very tribal. You know, people are looking for their community. They're looking for people who are like-minded. And I realised when I was looking for my community, being an Aussie in London, looking for new friends and new circles, that it was um, quite a defined lifestyle here. Um, So if you were to say I'm into wellness, you were somebody who liked eating healthy food or liked going to yoga or was interested in the latest new cool boutique fitness studio. And five years ago, I suppose... I was also at this point in my life where I was thinking about doing work that was more meaningful and I was partway through a corporate career and thinking, you know, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And so those two moments in my life of moving to a new city and and then also getting to a stage where I was really considering what the future of my career looked like, um, combined with discovering my interest in wellness um, more formally, I suppose, is, is I suppose what got me into this space. And when you're thinking, okay, I want to start a business, you obviously go through that process of thinking, okay, well, what am I passionate about? What are the problems that I experience in my life that I feel that there aren't solutions for? And um, over time, over sort of the first year of researching and thinking about starting my business, I discovered this intersection of of wellness and entrepreneurship and that that was really kind of the heart of what I was interested in um, and so well to do was kind of born out of that fascination I suppose because mm, you also are a business coach as well and you teach other people how to make their passions their professions as well yeah and that was that was me that was me yeah. you know six years ago I knew I was passionate about wellness and I'm sure that's you know whoever um is listening to this podcast they've probably fallen into that bracket of being passionate about it but 
you know, perhaps on a Monday morning you wake up to a job that you hate or that doesn't bring you that sense of fulfilment. And it's that disconnect that I'm passionate about breaking down for people because there are so many exciting job opportunities and so many exciting business opportunities that exist in the wellness sphere Mm. um, that I'm excited about helping people to shape for themselves. So how do you keep yourself motivated as a, as a coach to other people? You know, mm. you're always equipping them with skills, but for yourself, I mean, do you wake up with a super strong Aussie coffee? Like, what gets <laughs> you going in the morning? Yeah, good question. It's interesting because um, my coaching clients are often surprised by the fact that I also have a coach. Um, I think it's so important that if you're selling a service like that, that you almost practice what you preach. So If I believe that the value of having a coach is that it helps to keep you accountable, to keep you... I wouldn't say motivated because I think motivation is such a an internal function. You know, you really have to find what it is that's your purpose and your why and your drive that gets you out of bed in the morning. Um, but I certainly help clients with tools and strategies to keep them motivated through the inevitable ups and downs of building a business. Um, but I think... If, I, if, if that's something that I'm selling and encouraging my clients to invest in, then it's, it's so important for me to also be doing that, to be investing in myself. So um, motivation is one of those funny concepts because by definition, you know, when you're looking for motivation, it's, it's usually to do something that you don't really want to do, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of, you know, doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable or that stretches you out of your comfort zone. And so... I'm always looking for people or experts or mentors or um, somebody who has a strategy or tool that I don't yet know about to help me to prime myself for for success. Mm. Um, And so, you know, this year, for example, I I went to um, Tony Robbins' Business Mastery five-day event in Amsterdam. And it's a significant investment, but for me, that's money so well spent because not only does it support me with staying motivated and um, and staying focused on my business, but hopefully that trickles down into the value that I can offer my clients as well. Mm. Um, and to answer your question, yes, definitely mm. a coffee lover. Although, unfortunately for me, I'm super sensitive to caffeine, which is so frustrating. So I'm the person who orders a single shot latte. Um, my brother has a triple espresso to start his wow. day, but I just can't do it. But I have to say it's got to be a good latte or a good flat white. Yeah, I, good I, I wouldn't bother otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did one of those like DNA fitness tests, which okay. showed I was a really like poor metabolizer of coffee. So okay. out of all the things like gluten, protein, protein, all those things, um, yeah, coffee was the one I should avoid. Apparently, right? I'm um, probably the shame. same. Yeah, such a shame. I know it affects me really strongly, but yeah, it's so good. Do you still drink it? <laughs> well, I had the baby, and then actually, because I didn't have it during pregnancy, I've kind of weaned myself off it, mm. so I don't actually need it as much. Oh, yeah, but, I think it's a habit sometimes too, and mm. there are so many lovely coffee shops in London that will do, you know, an oat milk latte so mm. um, so well. And I think sometimes for me, if I go a different way to work and I don't pass that coffee shop, I won't get one yeah. because it's kind of breaking the habit exactly. or the cycle. Yeah. So let's talk about relationships as well. So obviously, I, I think I heard in another podcast that you moved out to Surrey in the early stages of well-to-do um, mm. to kind of like, I guess, help fund the business from the beginning. So how did that affect your relationship at the time like and, and your social connections as well? Like, focusing on a, on a startup. It's very yeah. intense. Yeah, so um, the background, obviously, when I launched my business, as you said, um, 
I didn't take outside investment. And the main reason was that I, I actually wasn't crystal clear on the idea. So when I quit my job, um, my corporate job, I worked in um, I worked in business development and marketing um, for a couple of different companies in London. And I knew I wanted to start a business and was kind of fed up in my nine to five. But I actually didn't have a clear business plan or business model when I left my job. And so that put pretty immense financial pressure on me to A, figure it out and make it work, um, but B, to make significant sacrifices in order to make it work. Um, I wasn't the person who stayed in my job and worked on this um, on the side. I, I did that for a couple of months, but then I just got to a point where I thought I kind of need to go all in with this and figure it out as I go along. Um, and so, yeah, that meant sacrificing some of the lifestyle choices that I'd made. I couldn't um, continue to live in a lovely, you know, um, three-bedroom house in Chelsea with my friend. Uh, that just wasn't on the cards anymore. Uh, and at the time, I actually had to go back to Australia and renew my visa so that I could stay. And I stayed with my parents for three months and then I came back and the best option was actually to move in with my boyfriend at the at the time's um, parents. Mm-hmm. They're now my in-laws, who's mm-hmm. now my husband. So um, thankfully <laughs> that all worked out. Well. out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at the time, you know, I remember my now father-in-law saying to me, you know, when are you going to get a job, Lauren? And we joked about that at the wedding recently. And and they didn't really get what I was doing, and I can completely appreciate that because wellness wasn't really a thing at the time. It's funny to say that, but I'm sure you'll agree. Five years ago, we were sort of the minority of people talking about things like yoga and meditation, and it's escalated so quickly. Mm. But then it was sort of a, a strange conversation where he just had no idea what I even meant by wellness. Mm. Um and meanwhile, we're kind of drinking almond milk and, you know, cold pressing our greens and whatever. Um, yeah, all of these sort of funny little um, hacks that were emerging. But I have to say, in the end, it really it, it put a good pressure on my relationship with Jamie because um, I think he could see that I was just so focused and it really illuminated, I suppose, the characteristics in me that that he loved. It was, you know, that I was super ambitious. I was super driven. I was super focused and disciplined and making it work. And um, because he was such an encourager of of that vision for Well to Do, it was really good for our relationship. And um, and then he bought uh, our, our home that we now live in. And, and so we kind of moved out of his parents' house and, and <laughs> lived happily ever after. But um, last year, he actually left his job and joined the business. So wow. that was <laughs> another exciting leap forward Very for our exciting. relationship of just consolidating the vision and goals that we have for our life as well as for our business. Some people would like shudder at the idea of working Absolutely. with their other half. But it works for you. Yeah, and I agree, you know, it's not for everybody. Um, We road tested it for a few months um, due to the fact that he was working a job from home um, as sort of a regional sales manager. So we had a bit of an experience of kind of working from the same office and working in the same space. And although it wasn't the same, it was a good test of just us being able to spend that amount of time together. Mm. And thankfully, uh, yeah, it's all worked out really positively. And you obviously organise these amazing events for Well To Do where you bring people together. Why do you think social connection is so important? Like, what do we get from experiencing you know, time with our friends and in, in a group environment that is just invaluable? Mm. 
I think the well-to-do concept has absolutely been built around a community of people who are like-minded. And that's really what I was looking for when I started the business. I was looking to meet other people who also wanted to understand the changing landscape of the business of wellness. So by virtue of that, probably individuals who are also largely invested personally in their own well-being, but um, were also primarily focused on either building a business or a career. And if you're pursuing something um, that is not commonplace or is not the norm, and let's face it, building a business is you know, is a, a small minority of people. Not everybody quits their job and takes the leap to start a business. Um, and you're, you're ultimately extremely brave and courageous for, for taking that step. And when you're in that stage, you know, often you've been otherwise surrounded by people who are um, you know, seeking the security and familiarity of a full-time job or a corporate job or working for somebody else and only know that familiar state of being and living. And so it's so empowering and so um, helpful to surround yourself with other people who are A, interested in what you're interested in, i.e. wellness, um, and B, are also going on that roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship or building a business. And so it was so key for, for me to initially to launch the event, to really consolidate the online community in a way that you just can't achieve in the digital space. And that's, you know, when you sit down next to someone and you say, hey, what are you doing? And and, you know, you share tips and strategies and you have that sort of knowing feeling of this person's on the same journey as me, that that reassurance of I'm on the right track or it's OK to feel like some days are hard and that some days you've got absolutely no idea what you're doing and that in some ways we're all kind of making it up as we go along. And I think we've really managed to build that through our events. So we run the Founder Series, we run our annual conference, the Well To Do Summit, and we run a series of trends forums where we kind of get to the heart of what those key trends are that are um, driving the growth of the wellness industry. Um, and yeah, it is it ultimately is about connection, community, and in a world of hyper-digital connection, going offline and actually getting back to the root of human connection and interaction. That's amazing. I think, I think that is probably the number one problem. We feel so connected or more connected than ever due to our devices. But actually, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling because they've actually lost real real connections with real people. So. Yeah. I mean, I read a statistic this morning that said that two of 10 people in the US and the UK at, you know, will describe themselves as often feeling lonely or isolated, mm. uh, often or always, the statistic said. So two out of 10 people often or always feel lonely or isolated. And and that's quite shocking, you know, in a world where you can instantly connect with someone on your mm. device. Um, mm. And at the same time, we actually are craving more than ever to meet and develop real tangible relationships with people who think the way that we do and share the struggles that we do as well. Yeah. So going on to your your self-care for you. So are there any kind of like practices that you have picked up from the industry? I mean, obviously you produce your wellness trends report every year. Are there any kind of trends that have particularly caught your attention? Like are you into, I don't know, chakra balancing massages or <laughs> rose quartz facials or is there anything that yeah you use for yourself personally to make you feel good? 
Yeah, I mean, I think being exposed to this stuff day in, day out, and you're probably similar, you just take a general curiosity mm. um, or a generally curious approach to wellness, um, albeit some wellness hacks are um, are more, I don't know, sort of I'm more sceptical of than others, mm-hmm. but I still take them with a pinch of salt and with a general sense of intrigue. So I've certainly tried all sorts of things from shamanic healing sessions to chakra aligning teas to, you know, um, to really highly scientifically proven methodologies like meditation and um, and DNA testing kits like you, you described previously. So... Yeah, for me, I I really love the excitement of trying new things. So I'm not someone who is necessarily a creature of routine or habit. So I don't have my, you know, typical morning routine. I have almost feel like I have a changing set of of um, tools that I kind of tap into as and when I need them. And that might be you know, Vedic meditation. I did a meditation course through the London Meditation Centre and it was so terrific to learn that skill of Vedic meditation that you can utilise at any time in any location. Um, I love yoga. I love fitness. I love trying new fitness methodologies. Um, I'm a massive lover of convenience, so I'm a big fan of, you know, um, local community fitness activities. Um, I had a period of getting really into park run. I have a local studio in Surrey that I go to that's really family and and friend oriented, really community driven. Um, So yeah, I go through phases. I'm one of those people who will eat a green, you know, drink a green juice and then go out for dinner and have a burger and a beer with my other half. And that's my idea of wellness is not that it is defining me or something that I have to check off as part of a a routine to-do list, but rather something that I can enjoy that helps me manage the general stresses and complexities of of life. Yeah. And as an Aussie, I mean, you probably have a very healthy attitude towards food and drink anyway. I mean, right, you have a very healthy lifestyle living out there. So has that been quite easy to adopt over here too? Yeah. And I think it goes right back to the beginning of our conversation where I was into wellness as as a young child without even realizing it. I hadn't ever thought about the value of organic vegetables because my dad always grew fruit and vegetables in our garden and we always had chickens laying eggs fresh for us for breakfast and mm. um, and Australia by virtue of being um, you know a place with such good weather we're outdoorsy we grow up playing sport we grow up being really active I grew up on the coast you know swimming and surfing so to uh, f- you know for, for young people today growing up in um, a much more with a much more structured concept of health nutrition and you know we recently saw Weight Watchers launching a nutrition subscription for children and you know I don't know about you but when I was a kid I had no idea what calories are and mm-hmm. to be honest I, they, they still befuddle me I I think food is food and exercise mm-hmm. is movement of your body to feel good and so I yeah I would tend to say that I have a really good healthy relationship with it but I can fully understand why there are many people who struggle with their relationship with wellness because of how defined and layered it has come become mm. in the context of social media and the proliferation of just information about what wellness is and mm. the brands that we attach to it. 
And also, I mean, in this crazy fast-paced world, it's very easy to survive off caffeine and sugar and, you know, try and feel like you're having it all by going to your workout one minute, socialising the next. I mean, as you, as a, as a founder of a startup, I mean, have you ever experienced, you know, lack of self-worth or sleep problems or anxiety? I mean, it must get a little lonely at the top because it is you, you yourself founded the company alone. Yeah. Did you ever have some scary moments at the beginning? Absolutely. And it would be such a lie for me to say that it was smooth sailing and easy. There were moments when I wondered if I'd be able to pay my next, you know, my next bill. Or um, I actually remember at one point going to tap my debit card on to catch a train into London in the first year of building my business and it declining and, and, and sort of thinking, you know, how am I going to make this work? Um, I have this dream and this vision, but this is hard. And one of the biggest anxieties that people struggle with is financial anxiety. And so when you're an early stage founder and you're trying to figure out and you're not funded, you're mm. not um, externally funded and you're figuring out how to just generate revenue in your business, it's tough. And I had a business coach who used to say, you know, don't be fooled with new levels come new devils, you know, mm -hmm. with new layers of growth and, and expansion in your business come new challenges and new problems. And so then you fast forward to a point where you have employees and suddenly you've got this payroll and, um, you know, monthly overheads of an office and an expanding team and, and vision. And there are new challenges that come with that. So... I absolutely experience anxiety and it would be remiss of me to say that, you know, I'm 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 a calm, collected, pretty um, con consistent person, but that doesn't mean that there aren't days where I, you know, get sweaty palms and <laughs> or are going on stage to host an event and don't feel the anxieties of that pressure and I have the personality type, you know, of a, a type A, you know, certainly a very ambitious overachiever and set really high expectations for myself. And with that comes that anxiety and pressure of having to keep up with your own standards. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I think that ultimately that's where having a toolkit of wellness hacks or strategies of, you know, maybe giving coffee a miss for a couple of weeks or maybe adopting a meditation practice or maybe pulling out a journal and, and writing things out to get that clarity or investing in a coach or mm. mentor um, are the proactive things that you can do to help with that. Mm. Um, unless, of course, it's to an extent where, you know, um, getting medical or um, a support from a GP is, is what you need. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Exactly. Someone told me that, you know, fear and excitement are basically the same emotion. Right. So if you feel like the butterflies in your stomach, you kind of have to ride them and just think, I'm really excited about what I'm about to do, rather than just succumbing to that anxiety. Something that worked for me quite recently is CBD oil, actually. I don't know mm. if you've ever tried it before going on stage. Perhaps you don't need it, but... Um, I was always sceptical about it actually working because I trialled it in the daytime when I didn't really need it, but, you know, for an article or something. But for this opportunity, which, you know, involved me getting up on stage and presenting, I, I definitely felt the, the butterflies and mm. it just quelled them. It just took them away. And I've just sworn by it ever since. It really worked for me. But yeah. it, like you said, everyone's got their own toolkit of strategies that they can deep, delve, delve deeply into. Um, so in terms of like, your happy highs you get from I don't know fitness or like where do you experience ultimate euphoria is it like do you still go out you're your friends or is it now in the studio that you get those highs 
Um, all sorts of things make me happy. Um, I have such a diverse lifestyle. Uh, I get um, that euphoric feeling from, yeah, like a really good fitness class or a really fun night out with friends dancing and kind of letting my hair down. Um, I think I recently realised how defined my life is by my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and you realise that because when someone says, how are you? Um, or what's new in your life or what's going on when you default back to by, you know, by default um, talking about your business. And and I suppose I kind of realised that I'd like that to shift a bit more. And so I think recently I've been refocusing on the other areas of my life that are important to me, like family and and I'd actually just had a wedding three weeks ago. So that really put some significance back on people and family and relationships mm. and the importance of, of also just taking time out of the business. Mm. Um, Did you manage to go on a honeymoon? or? So we, we <laughs> delayed our honeymoon. Okay. We were fortunate enough that we had our wedding in Italy, which felt like a, a <laughs> holiday in itself. And so what we will do is take a holiday, a honeymoon next year to kind of extend the celebrations. Do you think you'll go offline, both of you? Or will we so tricky? So we did actually manage to to go offline during the wedding and as much as it's a challenge, um, I think the struggle as an entrepreneur is that you sometimes experience more stress and angst not knowing what's going on, i.e. going offline. Mm. Um, and so what I typically do is just have a five, ten minute check-in to just make sure that there isn't anything that's going to bring the house down or, you know, um, that's going to be disastrous for us. And that gives me assurance that I can actually log off and enjoy my time away. Amazing. So with Well To Do, what have you got in the pipeline? You mentioned that you've got an a upcoming conference. Mm-hmm. So yeah, tell me more about that. So um, we have a lot going on. We also just launched a podcast, the Business of Wellness podcast, Amazing. focusing on um Yes, yeah, sort of what's driving and growing the industry with some incredible entrepreneurs. We have our founder series um, returning to London, our key um, sort of sort of flagship event. Um, we are launching our careers course, so we help. Um, people who are interested in looking for a a career in the wellness industry but aren't sure what those next steps are by breaking it down into an eight-week online course and we run that throughout the year. Um, We recently sort of relaunched the Well-To-Do Careers website which is now a standalone um, function, welltodocareers.com and that's something that we're really excited about on on even more of a global scale. Um, so we'll we hear from people all the time who are passionate about wellness, who live and breathe yoga or meditation or mental health, or have experienced burnout in the workplace and want to make a difference in the corporate wellness sphere, and just aren't sure what those next steps are that they need to to take. Um, and so our our careers platform is really an answer to helping you to find incredible brands like you know Rebel Kitchen or Hot Pod Yoga or Peloton or some of these you know big household brands that we know and love that are looking for people with that unique perspective and passion and that will be an ambassador for their brands as well as being you know an operations or marketing or finance person so it's not about starting from scratch it's about taking what you're already good at and applying it to the wellness industry so that you can have a career that you love Um, and that's our focus really is that everything that we do is about helping people to build incredible businesses and careers in the wellness industry Um, and obviously I continue to be really excited about coaching and mentoring 
um, founders who are building businesses in this space as well. So lots of things coming up. Yeah, how do you fit it all in? It sounds like you've got so much going on. It takes a team. Yeah. It takes an army. You know, with all of this, it's absolutely uh, imperative that you've got the right people around you helping to bring it to life because, yeah, I'm somebody who has lots of ideas and not enough hands and not enough hours in the day to bring it to life. How big is the team now? So we are six um, and we will be looking um, to hire in the new year. Um, We're actually at a really exciting stage where we're looking at the potential for some growth capital and thinking about how we can expand the business and expand what we're already doing um, on a bigger scale. So we'll definitely be growing as a team. Amazing. I just want to finish off by asking you what the biggest trends you expect to see in 2020 for the wellness industry. Obviously, the Global Wellness Summit has just produced their report and you do as well every year. So just keen to hear what you think are going to be the biggest ones. Yeah. So I think um, there are a few things. And Ultimately, I think they come down to the biggest pressures that are on the world today. So if you think about it, um, you know, we're a very individualized society and we have for a long time thought about wellness as being for the individual. And I I think there's a shift and that's coming from a pressure on us um, that stems from climate change and the changing world, Um, this hyperconnectivity and digitalization of the world. Um, I think the realisation that there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to mental health and and personal well-being. Um, and that also, ultimately, um, the, the way that we think about wellness is just changing on a more societal level when we think about the empowering movement of, um, you know, women stepping up and minority groups stepping up and claiming their power. And so I think we'll see a continuation of the impact of technology on well-being. You know, we'll become more measured in our approach so that self-care is not a fluffy thing, it's a measured thing and we know what we can proactively do to better prevent illness and to optimise our lives. Um, And I think just the continuation of pressure from consumers for brands to actually embody their purpose and embody something more significant than just being a product or service for the sake of it. Um, I I think there's a generation coming that are anti-consumerism and are much more about experience and getting back to the roots of what we as humans really want and need. Um, And I suppose that's a a bit more of a macro um, view of how things are changing. But as a result, I think there are some really exciting brands that are stepping up and taking responsibility for the personalization of wellness, um, but also who are Um, We were talking about kind of woke washing in the office this morning and how brands are leveraging causes for for commercial gain. And, you know, I think those days are over. The consumer is savvy to brands that say that they stand for something, but really don't don't follow up with action. And um, purpose driven brands are are showing that they're growing much faster um, on average than than other businesses. So that's a few of the things that I'm seeing um, so, yeah, play out in the wellness space. Yeah, especially like with products that have plastic in them. I mean, no one's going to want to invest in that anymore. It's People are going to have to really think outside the box in terms of delivery of product. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Lauren, it's been an absolute pleasure having Thanks, you Eddie. on the channel today. Um, what have you got planned for the rest of the day? Um, so uh, my parents are visiting from Australia 
And so mm-hmm. I'm trying to balance um, a few commitments that I have in the office with the team with also spending some time with them before they fly home on Friday. So uh, a bit of work and a bit of pleasure this afternoon as well with them. Great. Are you going to take them out anywhere nice? So do you know what? They are exhausted. They have done a massive trip around Europe. And so right now, my parents are showcasing their obsession with DIY by helping us with a few things at our house. And that does not sound very exciting at all, does it? It sounds like I've put my parents to work, but honestly, they're in their element. (laughs) Got to embrace that jet lag. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank Thank you. If you have any questions about any content discussed in today's podcast, please drop us a line at hello at whateveryourdose.com. 